Hello and welcome to Free from the Real, episode 144, brought to you by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can hear us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. I'll be one of your hosts, the ever-present AJ. With me is the um, financially astute Kia Soleil. Hey, everyone. And regrettably... Uh, Seb couldn't be with us this week due to a scheduling conflict. Yeah, so you'll have to settle for the two of us this week. Yep. Anyway, we have uh, this is the Raven Real podcast that brings you all the news it's fit to listen to, and there's uh, something which you really should listen to if you've ever had anything to do with the uh, uh, old CBS bots, or as they're now known, library bot. What's been going on? Uh, well, just there have been some recent reports concerning uh, security issues regarding the MTGO library bot, which really shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone because there have been known issues occurred, occurring in the past um, in both its previous incarnation when it was branded as the CBS bot and then even a couple years ago, a year or two ago, as the uh, library bot. So... Yeah, basically there's been reports about it's either acts the the bot forcing you to trade with an account owned by the owner of the bot of the software and giving all your cards to it, and then also issues with sending it copies of your logins and passwords, which can be really scary for those people who happen to use their magic online password as a password to other things. Yeah. Uh, as always, do try to be uh, safe online. Um and, uh, yeah, the warnings we're getting here are pretty clear and pretty thorough. Uh, this is the bot, after all, which had to change its name after the last time this came up. And seriously, people, this came up last time. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're using this bot, it is at your own risk. But, and with the uh, full weight of this warning and the previous warnings that this bot does occasionally steal stuff from your account or at least enables that to be done, allegedly. Yeah, I mean, based on everything they've looked into, you have the op- the opportunity, should you use this, to lose your entire account that it's operating on. And, like, it could be even worse if you have the same password on, like, your PayPal account, or a bank account, or even your email. Like, that could go very, very badly for you. Yeah. So, you know, if it's really worth it to automate your extra account to grind out a couple of ticks for the possibility of having your security compromised and losing all of that in the process. You know, that would be your call. It may seem we're hammering the point home here, but frankly, this point needs to be hammered home. Yeah, this is a pretty prolific bot on Magic Online's, and I'm not sure how many people know that this bot had, this issue came up so badly to the point that the owner had to completely rebrand himself in order to get up and running again. But same person, same bots, same code, likely, so that's same security issues. Yep. And Watts and Wizards, if you go run to them, is you know, they're not responsible if you're running third party software on your computer to enable Magic Online. So you can't run to them and have them restore everything back to your account. This is at your own risk. Pretty much. Um Yeah, it's uh this bot will uh well, we, I've not, 
for obvious reasons, I I don't want my account stolen. I've not dabbled in this bot myself, so um, uh, if you have, then well, if you have and you've never had any problems with it, count yourself extremely lucky. I suggest backing away slowly and changing various passwords. Yeah, but that's yeah, and that same argument is what people use with companies like Bank of America. Well, like we. Well, they haven't caused the problem for me. I'm like, well, that just means you're lucky to have not been shot in the foot by them yet. So, I mean, the longer you continue to work with companies that have moronic practices or even downright malicious ones in this case, the more likely you are to have it catch up with you. So, yeah. So please don't juggle with chainsaws. Exactly. Unless you are a professional chainsaw juggler, in which case, go right ahead. Yeah. If it's a job, fair enough, but um, yeah. <laughs> but that should be point zero 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 one percent of you. Yes. <laughs> that said, we do not wish to offend our chainsaw juggling audience out there, so uh, keep yes. on keeping on. Love love your work. Mm. Makes for great YouTube videos. It does. <laughs> we do not condone uh, taking up the profession just to impress us, though. Yes. Now, in other news, we've recently had the deck list for the latest in the Premium Deck series released. Premium Decks Graveborn. And frankly, when these things get online, they're going to cause quite a stir. Yeah, this is a pretty crazy little deck. We have the full deck list available now. And overall, I'd say it's pretty exciting. There are some nice cards in there. Um, there's some. It's a great mix of reanimating spells, searching spells, and targets. And realistically, if you got a couple of these decks and a few other cards and mashed them together, you'd have a pretty decent legacy reanimator deck. Yep, there's. Um, uh, I'm really quite surprised, but they did actually go whole hog on the um, uh, really valuable cards as well. Um, Entomb, for example, was uh, significantly priced offline and on, and uh, they've got one in here. Yeah. I mean, I was I was hoping for more, but quite frankly, that's greedy. But just to have one in Tomb is fantastic. And then they really did introduce some some good reanimating spells back in. Like, reanimate itself is up there quite a bit, being from a Tempest, even though it's common. It's pretty valuable. And then you have some really expensive targets, too, like Sphinx of the Steel Wind. Yep. Sphinx of the Steel Wind, when it was in Standard, I believe, was, if not quite 20 tickets, then certainly in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a pretty, pretty potent card. It's still a decent target for uh, Tinker and Reanimator decks. So not it's one of those cards that I've always I've wanted to pick up, just never gotten around to it, because I was like, ah, oh, it's always a little bit more than I want to spend. But now that they threw in this deck, I think my problem is solved. Yeah. Other such, I mean, car- I- other such cards include the slightly more casual Croesus the Purger. Well, he's casual until your opponent loses his entire hand, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they've got a, a good suite of targets here. You know, Verdant Force, you can get some extra to- tokens to make use of Dread Return. Uh, Blazing Archon, if you're facing down, you know, the barrel of a huge stack of creatures that are going to kill you. Avatar of Woe is always fun. And then Inkwell Leviathan is a great one for uh, playing up against control decks. Yep. I believe Inkwell has seen its uh, fair share of... Um, uh, it's... Uh, is it Legacy or is it? Um... Uh, I think Classic probably because as a Tinker target, it it can be good. 
And again, pitchable to force a well. I think you could see it, you would see, it would see play in both because being a blue card and an artifact card gives you a lot of options to get it on the table. Yeah. And make use of it even if you don't. It's it's really great because it's a target you can play in multiple copies thanks to force of will. Indeedy. And uh, the combination of uh, two kinds of evasion and shroud is um, well, it's 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 quite comparable to the. Um, Original shroud, uh, blue fatty of um, um, the Simic Sky Swallower, which uh, was oh. a big hit back in the day. Oh man, I loved that card. Simic Sky Swallower was great. I actually got a a really awesome win in limited because my opponent, for some reason, when he was sat there doing his math, thought Simic Sky Swallower was an eight eight. As if that card wasn't good enough already <laughs> at you know seven mana six six flying trample shroud, but he kept counting up the math and he was counting it as eight damage. So then he attacked me. I didn't block and I went to two, and he was very confused. Oh dear! And I was like, dude, how good do you want this card to be? It's already amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just couldn't and read he- the screen. Yeah, he looked at it and sheepishly picked up all his cards. <laughs> Fair enough. Ah, oh, good times. And those good times could be yours as well if your opponent's playing this deck and does so badly. Yeah, but no, yeah, but it's it's a good deck, and I mean, at thirty five dollars, you're getting quite the deal here. Dave Humphreys really did a good job of uh, putting this one together. I'm glad they put him on the task of that. They've definitely stepped up. Um, Deck even has a copy of Crystal Vein, which is one of the um, cheaper two-mana lands from uh, the uh, reprinted box, but uh, still fairly hard to get hold of these days. Yeah, absolutely. Mirage was not the big commodity when it first came out, so it can be kind of hard to find those, and that'll help make that available. And I feel like it's probably the best one for this deck. You could maybe make an argument for Ancient Tomb, but that kind of conflicts pretty badly with Reanimate. That it does. Um, yeah. Yeah, so looking at the, uh, let's um, segue neatly into our uh, prices section, because we've been looking at um, whether this would actually be any good value or not. Yeah, and uh, it quite clearly is, considering the deck costs $35, and just the first card we looked up in Tomb is a $39 card. (laughs) Yep. One of the most valuable cards on Magic Online uh, is now available in a $35 deck. We can we can but hope that um, uh, oh what's the name of this series? If they go for uh, premium deck series counters <laughs> or premium deck series draw go to uh, cut be, those or the others. Be interesting if a certain uh, three blue blue counter spell made its way in there or not. Well, they've got to do something. Yeah. And you never know, they yeah. might. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the way they've gone, going from the Slivers deck to Fire and Lightning to this, they've definitely made some aggressive strides in getting some of those cards out there. Bit of an upward curve, yes. Mm-hmm. And then looking at it next up, we have the uh, Sphinx of the Steel Wind, being a Mythic, is $10.32. Uh, so just skyrocketing that value even more. Crosis the Perjure is also a rare and 350, a little more of a casual card, but still up there. 
Yep. Not so casual is Reanimate, which is a almost five dollar common, which will be available in this deck. In multiples, no less. Or do they just get the one Reanimate? Yeah, no, I think we got the one. It's one Reanimate. It's two, uh, two Exhumes or no, three Exhumes that we got. Three Exhumes and three Animate Dead, which are fifty cents and a dollar respectively. Yep. So um, cutting down the prices, or at least slightly. Yeah. And another good one, uh, a card that's just kind of hard to get a hold of and up there is Buried Alive, which has been reprinted multiple times because it was in Odyssey, it was in Weatherlight, and it was in a couple of decks. But even still, the cheapest version you can get is $1.75, and they go up to $2, depending upon if you're that picky about your artwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's okay. see. They've also got uh, Dread Return, which is... Um, down from its peak when when uh, uh, Dredge was a major deck, but uh, still at um, uh, just under a, just shy of a ticket for a playset, it's uh, not to be sneezed at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the same can be said for Putrid Imp, who I mean is a common but not super readily available, seeing as how how long it's been since Odyssey was in vogue, um, and is up to twenty cents. Yep. So, and I mean you. Most of the rares are, you know, at least 8 to 10 cents. Some of them are like 20 or 40 cents, like in the case of uh, Inkwell Leviathan we talked about earlier. Yep. Overall, I mean, you're looking at, what, just have on 30, probably about $75, if not more, in this deck right here. In this $35 retail deck. So if you get two of these, then, well, the prices will probably plummet to match, but... Uh, on the plus side, the prices will probably plummet to match. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not a bad thing. I like I like the fact that they're going to increase the availability of cards for a pretty competitive uh, legacy deck. The only problem is, again, it'd be it's nice to have Force of Will in this deck, and that again will could possibly lead to an increase in demand in it. Not that the deck is required to have Force of Will to be played, but it sure does help. Yep. I could see. Um there's definitely some room for, say, an increase in some of the uh, discard and possibly even a few um, dark rituals just for the uh, completely unfair Entomb, Exhumed start. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. And uh, definitely be good. And also you can look into considering, you know, going uh, the blue route, adding into it to add things like Brainstorm for more consistency. Or any one of the one mana draw three cards and do something with them uh, cards, or at least look at three cards and pick one, or look at four cards and pick one. Yeah, but even still, like I think just just buying this deck right here, you know, and mashing together a sideboard, you could probably do fairly well playing up against more casual legacy decks, um, and still have the feeling that you have a pretty powerful deck in your hands. Yep. And certainly, if you buy a two or three and do some weeding. You could have a pretty powerful deck on your hands. That you could. Uh, let's see. What would you What would you pick, AJ? If you get If you got to be the decider for the next premium deck series, what would you lean towards? I might be tempted with uh, premium decks Turbo Land now with extra jewels. <laughs> Well, there's some nice cards there, which um, 
aren't necessarily that easy to get hold of, and, uh, and any extra source of dual lands will uh, increase supply and reduce demand across the board. And bear in mind that even the, the cheapest of the dual lands is still um, uh, more expensive than most of the cards in standard. Not all. You've still got the Planeswalkers, but most. Then, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's something which could be looked into. Very true. If you guys have any better ideas, feel free to post what you would dream of being a uh, premium deck series. Maybe we'll see it become a reality. Yeah, you never know. Um, Feedback via uh, podcast and uh, maybe they'll look and maybe they'll uh, make their decisions based on that. It's unlikely, but you never know. It might work. (laughs) Yeah, it's highly, highly unlikely, but Mm -hmm. it's more likely than them reading your mind for what you dream of having as a premium deck series. (laughs) It's a million to one shot, but it might just work. Exactly. Now, moving on from that, it's been a fairly short podcast this week, uh, but uh, it's a fairly slow news uh, week in general, really. Um, yeah, we really we didn't even have any tournaments to talk about since they're all over. We got one Grand Prix left and then Worlds coming up. Yep. And that's pretty much it. And not much on the um, independent tournament circuit either. Nope. Just one of those quiet weeks. So, what have you been filling the time with? Uh, well, I'm managing to stay in the running in the Classic League Season 3. I'm actually undefeated right now still. Uh, we just finished up Round 3, and I am 3-0, and and actually 6-0 and in games. So, uh, you know, <laughs> that's pretty good. I can't say I haven't gotten a little lucky. I've had a lot of Turn 1 Workshop Additional Accelerant Lodestone Golem draws. Which, uh, pretty good no matter what deck you're facing. So. Yeah, that is kind of a nice one. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad start. Uh, so, I'm, I'm doing pretty well there and I'm enjoying that. I'm having a lot of fun. I love, I love, uh, Mishra's Workshop and just, it's such a fun, overpowered card, but it's great. Yes. Um, and Classic is just a fun format because it's just so explosive and so interesting. Especially right now as people try to work on various Snapcaster Mage type decks and figure out how to make that work best. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, that's pretty much what I've been playing is in other formats, whether it's modern or standard or block. It's probably got some number of Snapcaster Mages and Delver of Secrets in it. I'm quite surprised how uh, the, on the slow but uh, beginning to accelerate uptake of the uh, uh, Delver of Secrets has been... Um, I picked up a set early because, uh, well, it looked like a a fun transform card, and uh, I had my eye set on a mad scientist deck of some kind. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, you can't really argue with three for two flying for one. Yeah, and once people realize, you know, especially like in Legacy, for example, where you can go turn one Delver, turn two, upkeep a brainstorm, and guaranteed flip him, it's a pretty aggressive uh, start there. And then any later copies can, again, like I've said many times before, can be pitched to force of will, so its value goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's I, I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised too. I just didn't I didn't see that one coming, but it makes perfect sense once you see it coming. Uh, once you see it in action, that is. How about you, AJ? What you been playing? Um, talking of uh, humans, which uh, swing for three on turn two, I've been having some fun with a nice little uh, red white humans deck running both. Um, Valakut and uh, Emeria. Um, in terms of, uh, <laughs> well, the thing is, you can 
you've got Plateau and Sacred Foundry as the two mountain plains lands. You've also got Vesuva, which can effectively act as uh, Plateau's... Um, oh, yeah, additional mountain plains. Exactly. Uh, numbers 9 to 12, and then you can fill out with uh, um, fetch lands, or I put in a couple of fetch lands, a couple of uh, plains to uh, um, deal with things like um, Path to Exile or similar cards. And, of course, um, the deck was running uh, Magus of the Moon and had a lot of white, so uh, and he is only to cast things when I was uh, uh, royally mucking up my opponent's mana bases, a plan which very nearly worked against uh, um, Eldrazi deck. Ah, I take it that's the, the one in your 2-1? Regrettably so, yes. <laughs> um, oh, Eldrazi. But it managed to outrace a goblin deck and um, uh, do rather well all round, really. So I can't really complain. I'm uh, currently um, pondering a, uh, a few variants of it at the moment. It's um, There are some ridiculously potent one-drops out there at the moment. Such as what? What were you running here? Well, there's a fun little combo with... Um, uh, Martyr of Sands and um, uh, Sarah Ascendant. Drop the uh, Sarah Ascendant turn one. Turn two, Martyr of Sands. Reveal your hand. Swing for six. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, is uh is Norn the Wary a human? Could you combo him with Champion of the Parish? That's brilliant. I like that. That's a, <laughs> that's a good use. Uh-oh. Uh, you could run him alongside Soul Sisters um, and Champion of the Parish. Champion of the Parish is one of the um, uh, one-drops you can swing for three. You just drop two one-drops on turn uh, two. I have, in fact, sometimes done uh, Parish one, Parish, Parish two. So that's just mean. Yeah, I had that happen to me in a standard game the other day, and I was I was less than thrilled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I have a land in play, and you have a lot of beef. <laughs> Now the real fun comes. going to get bigger. Now the real fun comes when uh, post wrath you um, proclamation of rebirth for parish, parish, parish because they tread each other and you suddenly got nine power on the board. Oh, that's sick. Thank you. <laughs> it's even better if you've got over thirty life and three ascendants in the grave. Yep. <laughs> Eighteen power on the board, evasive with life link. Good game. Good game. Good. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course, uh, benevolent bodyguard to make sure your spot removal is useless against them. Yep, seems like pretty good. And then, of course, the Ameria and Valakut for late game. Precisely. Um, and, of course, using uh, repeated uh, uh, forecasts with the uh, proclamation to just sort of grind your opponent to dust with small... Uh, one mana creatures. Yeah, just keep getting there. Yeah, keep coming back. Highly enjoyable deck. Did well. Um, we'll probably do more in the future. Yeah. Now Sebastian. Now Sebastian did manage to get uh, through with the note of what he was playing. Uh, Blue black control and a pauper toolbox deck, um, which has been doing rather well with. He also wants to uh, send a word out to Eric Meng, who has um, 
qualified for uh, Pro Tour Hawaii via a Pro Tour qualifier. Yeah, pretty awesome. It's always nice having buddies who are successful and you get to see them head off to the islands as a result. So mm-hmm. that'll be cool. Good for them. Yep. Aloha. Yeah. I believe that's the word. Um, uh, my Hawaiian is a bit rusty, as you'd imagine, for someone from the opposite ocean. Very true. Now that 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 functions as hello, as well as goodbye. Mm-hmm. So. And on that note, I think that would be the aloha for our podcast. Yep. Um, keep on having fun. Um, uh, pick up any cheap box sets if you uh, are into that sort of thing and uh, goodbye yeah see everyone later